Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Brooke. Joining me on the show is Anthony from Apex Personal Fitness out in Niagara Falls, New York. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Good, good. Thanks, Brooke. I uh, appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to have you here to learn more about what you have going on, all the good details. But before we kind of dive down that path, give me a little bit of background, Anthony. What was it that led to you going and opening up this fitness business? Um, well, I, uh, I was always into working out and when I was going through college, I got certified as a personal trainer and started building a clientele. And then I decided that I no longer wanted to pursue a career in chiropractic. And instead of spending my money on my doctorate, I put it towards opening up my own facility and the rest is history. Sweet. So this is kind of the path that you decided to go down. So what I think would be best here is maybe give our, our, our listeners an elevator pitch of Apex Personal Fitness, who you are, what services that you provide so that like we really understand your business model as we sit here and kind of talk about it today. Okay, so um, we're a 24-hour access fitness facility, um, sort of like a boutique gym feel. It's very uh, private and personal. Um, we offer personal training, one-on-one, partner, small group, uh, supplements. Um, we do an online program as well. So we have people from all over the world that, that are our members on our website for our daily trainers. Basically, every week I upload new workouts and uh, people are just able to participate from anywhere. Um, but that's it. That's okay. much everything. So the bread and butter of what you guys do, would you say it's more of kind of like an open membership, like people coming coming in and doing their own thing? Or what do you say that your bread and butter is the personal training side of things? Well, um, personal training definitely brings in more revenue. You know, that's definitely what uh, I would say the, the cash cow from a business standpoint, you know, but um, we have a solid amount of memberships uh, as a ratio towards what our overhead is that pays all the bills and profits. And so the personal training is really just kind of like sort of like extra income, you know, for me. What percentage of your revenue would you say, like if you had to guess is coming from the personal training side of things? I would say probably like 65%. Yeah. So it really is. I mean, that that is like the bread and butter of what you guys do. It's bringing in, you know, more than half of your revenue. Um, and I, I think like this is a valuable conversation to have right here because there's so many people that are running like 24-7 gyms like yours who are not utilizing personal training. And if 65% yeah. of your revenue is coming from personal training, then obviously, you know, you can make it work. Um mm-hmm. So how does the personal training side of things work? Do you have trainers that you employ? Are they contractors and paying rent? Kind of like what model do you guys follow and why? So all of the personal trainers for Apex Personal Fitness are 1099. So they're subcontracted through Apex. Um, Other than myself, I'm obviously an employee. Okay. And 
how does the gym make money from them? Um, do, you know, being that they're 1099 contractors, like, are you giving them a paycheck? Are they paying you rent? Like, what exactly do you do? So essentially, the customers are contracted through Apex. So they, they pay Apex and then Apex, um, what would the term be? Um, I essentially pay the trainers 50%. Got you. That's a pretty good deal there for both of you guys. Um, where do you find your trainers? I think that's another area that I see like a lot of people like struggling with right now. You know what? Honestly, I've never been one to go out and find trainers. I've just kind of, I've just let people come to me. And I mean, I think that says a lot. I've had a lot of people reach out to me over the years. I've done a lot of um, internships with people that are getting certified and, um, uh, the only trainers, I've, I've had one trainer come from an internship. One reached out to me when he was getting started just for information, just looking to kind of just just hear about my story and get to know what I thought he should do. And um, then two years later, I actually had a trainer leaving and needed someone to take over his clientele. So I reached back out to him and, um, and then he still works for me to this date and just, it's been great. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, I found that like the people that have worked out the best for us were the people that came knocking, like yeah. whether it was they came in and just asked for more information about how they could become a coach or they dropped off a resume or like whatever it is. Generally, those people have been like our best um, rather than the people that like we found on Indeed or whatever. Um yeah. Okay. So within the member, like the actual membership piece, kind of flip things over and talk about that. Do you have different tiers of memberships? Is it just one standard membership gives you access to everything? How does that work? No, we just have one standard membership. It's, um, it's a flat rate, $45 a month. You can pay for it monthly or annually. It's the same cost. Um, we are very so an approach I took for our membership is like, there's no other fees. There's no maintenance costs that a lot of gyms have. There's no sign-up fee, no cancellation fee. You're able to cancel at any time. We just ask for 30 days notice. So you essentially pay for one more month upon cancellation and your first month when you join and you buy your key fob and that's it. Pretty simple and easy for people to get started then. Um, yeah. People like to keep it simple. Like I think what it's hard for a lot of people to think about joining a gym membership because there's so many fees. Like they have their gym and then they have to worry about like the sign up fees and then the renewing fees. And like, it's just mm -hmm. like a bunch. So you seem to make it really easy for your members. Um, within the facility itself, what's your square footage? It is 3000 square feet. Sweet. And um, you guys, are you 24 seven there or? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, how many members do you guys have right now or around that? I mean, we don't need exact numbers here, but we're, we're like plus or minus, uh, 10 from 200 at all times. Okay. Is that like the spot where you feel super comfortable, confident, or are you guys like looking to grow and take on more clients? So within our current space, I actually cap it at 200. The only time we ever go over is if like someone's cancellation notice just hasn't expired yet. And then I bring somebody else in at that time. But uh, I cap it at 200 to just kind of continue to keep that personal feel for everyone using it. And another, another thing that we do as well is so if you're interested in personal training, we don't, we don't make you get a membership either. So you can, you can 
be a personal training client and not have a gym membership. And then you can have a gym membership without being a personal training client. So we kind of keep them as two separate entities. Interesting. So what made you decide that 200 was the spot that you were going to cap it? Like, how did you come up with like that number being, you know, what makes sense for you in the business? I really just, uh, I continued to raise that number throughout because it just went by feel of, of really how it felt in the gym. Um, I mean, around a hundred members is really, it pays pretty much all the overhead. So everything beyond that was kind of like gravy, I guess, was how I considered it. Yeah. I mean, being that you are 24 seven, there's probably some time like in the day where the gym really isn't being utilized. Um, I would guess, yeah. I mean, like that, uh -huh. night, like that. Um, so what, like, do you guys have plans at all to try to find ways to like fill those times or are you just like pretty solid right now? Well, so right now with the expansion of another facility is um, probably going to happen within the next month or so. Um, I'm looking at that as sort of an extension of the space um, so that being 24 seven, it really kind of spreads everyone out as far as when they come in, when they don't. So it, it, it already opens up the door for a lot of memberships so that we can like, and everyone has space to work out and, you know, do whatever they want to use, use whatever machine. So I'm looking at this extra space as sort of like an addition, cause it's only about 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes away. So it'll be just a way to offer more to our members. And then if we gain some memberships, great, you know, like that's awesome. If not, that's either way, I'm just looking at it as a way to open it up for our members. So you want to open it up for your members, but like, are you guys going to need to take on new memberships or like not really? I mean, it's not a crazy overhead to the, to the point where it worries me in any way. Like, I mean, it, to be brutally honest, I kind of almost am looking at it as I either pay the money in taxes or I open up more space and create more overhead. You know, I mean, it's not going to make or break anything. But uh, so I just think it'll be nice to offer. And obviously the goal in business is to create more revenue, which I know it will, but it, I guess it essentially doesn't matter. Like for you, I feel like you're very much of the mindset that like, it's going to happen, like it will happen when it happens. It's going to happen one way or another. Um, that's yeah. kind of what, <laughs> what I'm getting here. Um, so tell me a little bit, you know, I think it's valuable for us to talk, yes, about the good stuff, but I do think that it's valuable for us to talk about things that have been a challenge along the way. So Anthony, what would you consider to be your biggest business related bottleneck or challenge? And what are you doing to work on overcoming that? My biggest challenge personally is work-life balance. Um, I take on way too much. Like I don't, I don't have anybody else clean the facility. I do it myself. Um, I handle all the enrollment for the memberships. I try to build all the nutrition programs for all the trainers. Like, I mean, I really do take on a lot for, for the business. Um, and I've been able to kind of pull back in over the last two years, I'd say I, I um, my son was born and uh, I've actually been able to create a much healthier work-life balance um, mm -hmm. with getting things done and just spending time with him and 
and everything's still rolling, you know, everything's still progressing, everything's still growing. So it's a, it was definitely a false reality that I had before that I had to do be on top of everything 24 seven. Yeah. I think like as business owners, specifically in this industry, like typically we're pretty competitive people and like where we always have like worked really hard. We have like, we're very driven. And so it can be very hard to like find that balance. Um, and ultimately, like if you're so caught up in the day to day of like making sure that the gym is clean and taking care of all the memberships and writing these nutrition plans, like you're not going to have any time to work on, on the actual business itself or spend time yeah. with your family. Um, mm-hmm. What have you done to kind of hand some of those things off or like, what are you doing to be able to step back a little bit? Um, having the trainers made a big impact because like, I used to always have to make sure my schedule was full. I was working, I was training 130 sessions a week and like, I've just kind of backed off on that and my guys be successful. And it's just kind of worked as a, as a pyramid, you know, like, I mean, the more successful they are, the more successful I am, the more time I have to give to them, to give to my family, to give to the members. It's just, yeah more is not always more right no it's not um so uh kind of to flip that obviously that's the challenge that you're dealing with but like hypothetically here you were to have a magic wand all your dreams all your goals for your business were to come true what would that picture look like if you could have it all there's no limitations um give us an idea of what you would want for um the business um well I mean my goal is four locations you know I mean if it went beyond that and continue to grow that that's fantastic you know I don't I don't know that with my personality that would be healthy for me (laughs) but um I've definitely considered franchising at some point like I think that would be a really neat aspect or avenue to go down or but I don't know all that much about it it's just I guess that would be the all in goal, you know? Mm-hmm. What do you feel like you need to focus on right now as the business owner to take you to the point where you could have, you know, that minimum of four locations, maybe franchise, et cetera? Um, focus on right now. I guess even more so getting a better balance in the work in delegating, in delegation, because I'm not great at that. Like I, I hired a cleaning service for say six months or so. And then I didn't like the job they were doing. So I got rid of them. And then now I I'm in this mindset where can't trust any of them. They're not going to do a good enough job. So I just have to do it myself. And like, that's not going to be realistic when I have multiple locations, um, trainers at multiple locations. Um, So I just, I have to work on pulling myself out of the business so that I can work on the business. Yeah, hundred percent. I think like when it comes to having two locations, three locations, four locations, we have to have like, like we, there's not four of us. Um, So we have to have the right systems in place that are duplicatable so that we can kind of have them going at each location without us physically needing to be there. 
Um, because it's not realistic. There are going to be days that you're going to be at one location or there's going to be days where you're not even at any of them, but you have to make sure that they can run without you. Um, and that's super important. What piece of advice would you give somebody who was fairly new, like to stepping into this, you know, fitness industry? I would say if this is truly what you want and you know what, you know, that just go for it. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't overthink it. Don't pause. Just, just go, just run and jump into it because it's, you will thoroughly enjoy doing what you love every single day and especially making a good living off of it. Mm -hmm. What um, is the Instagram or the Facebook page for the gym? Where can our listeners go to find you online? Um, on Instagram, it is Apex Fit, A-P-E-X-F-1, the number one T. Um, Facebook, it's Apex Personal Fitness is the Facebook page. Perfect, perfect. Easy enough for us to find. Thank you so much for being here today, for sharing your insight on the industry. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, if you want to stay notified about future episodes, please hit like and subscribe. And if you want to join us for an episode here at the Gym Lords podcast, fill out the link in the description. We will be in touch with you soon. As always, until next time, Gym Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lawrence Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Joseph, and joining me on the show is Chris from Feltham Community Boxing Club in Feltham, United Kingdom. Welcome to the show, Chris. How are you doing today? Very good. Thank you, Joseph. How are you doing yourself? I am doing great. Thank you for asking. You know, I'm very excited to have you on the podcast today to learn more about what you have going on at Feltham Community Boxing Club. But before we dive into the business side of things, when you first, you know, got into your gym, what was the vision you had in mind for it? Um, the vision for the gym was to really serve the community. The, uh, the club was originally opened by a police officer who wanted to give kids something to do on a Friday night so they weren't hanging around the streets and stuff like that. So a bit, bit of a youth diversionary scheme. Um, and it was really successful, actually. When, when the gym first opened, it was proven to reduce uh, youth antisocial behavior on a Friday night in the local area, you know, because the kid, kids were turning up boxing and having fun and staying out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So it really started with like an ex-police well, police officer who, who opened it up. And the main reason for that is to bring in the kids to not do bad stuff, you know, on the streets or anywhere. That's really good. So for the listeners, why don't you give them your elevator pitch of what you have going on at Feltham Community Boxing Club? So your services, uh, and anything additional that you also do. Okay, so at the moment we're we're competitive um, England boxing amateur boxing club. So we I have competitive boxers representing the club on the club circuit week in week out. We run recreational classes for those people who want to come along and maybe learn their skills, maybe lose a bit of weight, maybe um, become fitter. 
we run targeted sessions at the moment for ladies only and a disability session, which has been really popular. And really, and we're really open to anyone in our local community who want to put on boxing sessions. That's we're there, we're there to serve the community, you know, as best yeah. we can through the sport of boxing. Okay, so you have a mixture of competitive boxing, you have recreational classes, women's classes, and disability classes. So with all that being said, how many members are you currently serving at your gym? We, on, on our Friday night, which is our main club night, where we have a, a junior and a senior competitive session, we're seeing about 80 people through the door on a Friday night at the moment. Um, and then if you add into that the people who attend the ladies only boxing class and the disability class you're looking looking at somewhere between 100 and 120 150 people that are, are regular attenders okay so regular attenders around 120 but 80 on that friday night mm. so you know we did speak about that you know before the podcast why don't you give the listeners like kind of like your schedule throughout the week of how many classes you have and what each one looks like okay so monday nights we run um a junior recreational session which is really for those youngsters who are looking just to get into the sport um but not take it too seriously we i always start youngsters off with something fun so it's engaging and and so we try and develop and maintain participation then we run a, a senior competitive session on monday night which is possibly less fun they might tell you um but it's more targeted towards competitive boxing mm -hmm. tuesdays we run our disability session and then our ladies only session the disability session is really interesting because um, not all disabilities are, are visible and mm -hmm. you, you never know what, what condition any new member who comes through the door has. So you have to adapt your coaching styles um, and adapt your apparatus, your, uh, possibly your venue to accommodate all needs, which I think we do really well. That's a really well-attended session. And yeah. selfishly, it's a, it's a lovely session to teach. Um, the ladies only session again is great turn the music up loud all the ladies have a great time um push them really hard um that that's a great fun session then on fridays is our is our main club night again we have a, a junior uh, recreational session and a senior competitive session looks very similar to monday but uh, all the seniors will spar they'll they'll be in the ring they'll be doing their hard rounds you know getting competition ready learning new things um, so that's, that's how we do on a week with ad hoc things in and around that sparring on the weekends club shows on the weekends that kind of stuff okay so really good mixture there on monday tuesday and friday so you did mention that you have about 120 members overall throughout all those classes mm -hmm. for you personally like like what's your cap or like what's a goal that you're chasing in terms of member base um at, at the at our current capacity we are we're we're pretty close to that as i said fr fridays in the junior session and the senior session will have around 40 people in each class mm -hmm. um if i had unlimited space and unlimited coaches i i would ratchet that number right up but at the moment as a as a quite a small club with a very with a very small coaching team that that is about our level at the moment okay so max cap around 120 right there. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. So in terms of, let's just say someone, you know, hears about your gym, like, well, actually, how do you get like new people into your gym? That's like the first question here. So we, we go through the normal media at the moment. We go social media. We use Instagram, um, Instagram and Facebook to advertise what we're doing. 
Um, I have quite good links with the local council and the local council put out a newsletter each week and I, I tend to tell them what's going on and stuff like that. Um, we rely on word of mouth. Boxing's a bit of an old school sport and word of mouth ser- serves us pretty well, which mm-hmm. um, I, think, I think that's um, something that's a bit forgotten in these times, actual word of mouth. Um, and, and just being present in the community. Um, as I said, we have good links with the council. Sometimes the council will ask me to run a boxing session at a certain event or something like that. And I'll, I'll gladly go along, deliver a boxing session and then signpost them towards the boxing club. Um, so we, as well as advertising online and word of mouth, we, we actually get out in the community and speak to people, you know, and try and, you know, if you've liked this taster session, why don't you come along to our club? Okay, so you mainly utilize, you know, word of mouth. That is the overall best way in terms of conversion rates. You use community events, and you also use social media. So in terms of social media, you use Instagram and Facebook. Do mm. you do organic and paid advertising, or one, or, like, or one or the other? Which one do you use? Do you use both of them? Oz is all organic, Um we take, I would usually task one of the youngsters who's got good camera skills to take a few photos of a session. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's anything, if there's anything particularly special going on at the club, like an event or anything like that, I'll, I'll knock up a poster or I have someone knock up a poster, but yeah, it's all, we don't, we don't really do promotional videos or anything like that. It's just snapshots of this is what's going on. This is what you can, you can be involved in, you know? Okay. So mainly just organic content. Really cool. So let's just move right into, let's just say someone reaches out to you or someone comes to your club and they're like, Hey, I want to become a member. What does the process look like to, you know, from like when they first walk in into, into turning them into a member, what does that process look like? Um, so everyone who comes along, I, I tend to have a speak with, um, and they, they, they tend to be quite open in telling me what they want. I want mm-hmm. to lose weight. I want to be a competitive boxer. And I advise them of what classes are available, um, what the channels are. And once they decide, once they decide we, they want to come, um, we get them to fill out a participation form. Um, we, we don't have a club membership and all of our classes are on, a, on what we call a pay-as-you-go basis. So we don't tie people in, we don't tie people down into monthly payments or anything like that. Quite, quite, um, probably quite unusual for a lot of, a lot of uh, gyms to say stuff like that, but we, we find within the community, it works really well. And our, our subscription, our session classes are really cheap um, because we're, we're part sponsored as well by our children's charity. So that helps massively, you know, the, the cheaper we can make it, the, the more participation we can sustain. Okay. So mainly, you know, you sit down with them, you have them fill out a form and it's more of a, you know, pay per session instead of like a long-term contract or like a monthly thing. I'm just yeah. curious, like, like why exactly do you do that instead of having them on, let's just say like a three month, six month, nine months, 12 month program or like a contract. Um, that's, that's just the way it's always been. And I, I think as I, as I mentioned before with, um, with the word of mouth, boxing is a bit of an old fashioned sport. Um, and our, our gym, our gym is community based rather than being commercial based. And, and we deal mostly with, with kids and teenagers. So to start trying to tie kids into contracts or, or, their, or their parents, especially with the cost of living at the moment, it's, it, I, I find it quite nice to just say, look, pay you two pounds when you turn up to a session um, as, as and when, you know, if you, if you can't make it because you've got homework one night, you're not going to lose out, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, like actually in my experience, you know, I used to attend a boxing academy where I live and that coach was very similar in terms of like you, you pay as you go. So like each month you just bring in cash. You're like, hey, coach, here's my money. Take it. And, and, and there's no like long-term contract. Um, but moving away from that and moving into, let's just say you get a new member. What does the process look like to keep them for the long term? So I think to keep them to the long term, you, you need to have regular conversations with them about um, what, what their goals are. Because mm-hmm. if, if, you, if they can give you a set of goals and you can create sessions that achieve those goals, they're likely to stay. Um, and especially, especially with um, young people, it's keeping it fun, keeping it entertaining, keeping it engaging. Um, with a competitive box up, it's obviously training them towards competition, yeah. making making the sessions progressively harder, progressively more difficult um, until they're ready for competition. Um, and that, that would involve fit, uh, general fitness improvement, strength and conditioning, regular sparring sessions, sparring sessions, um, other clubs to ratchet up the difficulty until they're ready for competition. Okay, so mainly goal-based conversations which with each member, like especially with the competitive fighters because – you know, after a while, if they're not getting challenged anymore, then they're probably not going to get better, which it's really important to just always be training them. So I'm kind of curious here. Do you guys um, like host any events at all at your facility or do you guys go somewhere else for your events? Um, so we, t- we hold regular sparring sessions at our club. So we'll invite other clubs to come down and spar some of our, our boxers. Um, and we repay the favor by traveling to other clubs to go, um, to go sparring we haven't held our own club show for quite a while because we it just hasn't been something we've been able to do at the moment but our boxers regularly box on other clubs boxing shows um, but we do hold open evenings um, for the parents to come and uh, participate uh, come and spectate on their kids training mm-hmm. um, we've got we've got an event coming up at Christmas where we're going to have a bit of a showcase of some of the competitive boxers. We're going to have an award ceremony for our junior recreational boxers and hand out some trophies and, you know, just thank them for, for a good year of training and, and highlight the improvements they've made. Okay, cool. So it's mainly just like, if there's like a competition, it's going to be at someone else's place, but in terms of sparring, it comes to your place. That's really cool. Um, so in terms of, you know, the events, you know, going into the fighters, how many competitive fighters do you have at your gym right now? Um, we're, we're a really small gym. So I've got seven registered for this season. Um, one of them, one of the little ones, one of the little 13 year olds has won a title uh, earlier on this season, which was really nice. First title for the club in a long time. He won a, a, a tournament called the Manchester Box Cup, which was, which was a great way to kick off the season. Yeah. Um, and I've got several more boxes just waiting just on the edge, just waiting to go. That is awesome to hear. Um, 13-year-old boxer who won a title earlier this year, that's awesome. Um, That's actually really cool. So in terms of the fighters and, well, like training with the fighters, is it only you who are training the fighters or are there additional, uh, let's just say, trainers along with you? Um, So I I have a senior boxer who just last season uh, decided that he'd retired um, he's done his coach's badges along the way. So he's now my, my number two. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a young lady um, named Angelica, who is also a coach who's been with me. She used to do boxing sessions when I was teaching at a college. 
along the way, she's done her coach's badges because she's a great coach and I sort of pushed her in that direction. So I have her helping me. Um, and I, I'm just trying to push through a couple more of the, the parents to um, take their coaches courses because it's, a, it's, um, it's tough managing that amount of students and all, all the help you can get is uh, appreciated, you know? Yeah. So the second to last question here for you, Chris, you know, in the fitness and gym world, there are three pillars of business. So number one being lead acquisition and lead generation and acquisition. So mainly getting people into your door and turning them into members. Number two, retention. So keeping them for the long term. Number three, ascension. So basically having them spend more money with you. So, you know, increasing the programs or upgrading them. Out of those three things, where do you think you can improve the most on and why? I would, I would think um, our, our retention is, is pretty good, I'd say. We're, we're, we're fun, we're an enjoyable club. I would think it would be the, the final pillar, which would, and, and I'd, I'd take a slight sidestep. Rather than take more money from the same individuals, I'd like to provide more services to different individuals. Um, if we had more time available at the club, I would do more classes similar to the ladies only and the disability classes, more targeted classes for underrepresented groups. And, and stuff like that. Help, help out more people in the community. That's, that's what we're here for. Awesome. Well, cool. So Chris, last question for you here. Paint me and the listeners a picture. What are your short-term and long-term goals for Belton Community Boxing Club? Um, I think like any other boxing club in, in the UK, our short-term goals is to remain open. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd, I'd like to thank our, our charity here, Little Lives UK, it's a UK children's charity who massively, massively help with our hall hire. Um, so that, that is the short term. The long term goal is to be a successful boxing club with our own venue that is able to provide more services to the community. I would at, at some, we currently rent our space. I would like to own our space, have 24 seven access to it um, and be able, just be able to provide a lot more to our community. Awesome. Well, Chris, I think that's a good place to start to wrap things up here in this episode. But before we sign off, where can the listeners find you on social media? So we are Felton Community Boxing on Instagram and Felton Boxing Club um, on Google if you want to find our website. Awesome. Well, great. We appreciate you for hopping on the podcast today, Chris, and sharing your story. And to everyone who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. And don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, Hit like and subscribe. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your gym, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. And as always, until next time, Gym Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. 
Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us, we have Mr. Randy Palmer of South Austin Gym coming to you from Austin, Texas. Randy, what's going on, sir? How are we today? Oh, having a great morning. Uh, looking forward to this chat. I'm looking forward to it as well. I, Randy and I got the chance to walk through his business a little bit before coming on air here. And there's a lot of components and a lot of moving parts to this, but I don't want to paint on your canvas, Randy. For the people who aren't familiar with South Austin Gym, describe this to us. Tell us kind of what you do at South Austin Gym. Well, what I can say conceptually, the gym's kind of based on three components. So first, synergy. So all the parts kind of work together. Uh, second, you know, we're pretty strong in the community and I'd like to stay engaged with things happening, you know, around us. And, you know, uh, I'd say that overarching those two would be the one-on-one -on -one touch. You know, as a kid, you know, when I started doing training, you know, I've had a fascination with martial arts and combat sports since I was a kid. But uh, there was a point in my life, like in my late teens, early 20s, you know, after my coach had trained me from, you know, a young kid, I realized he was driving from one side of town, picking me up, driving me to the other side of town to train me and drive me back. And, uh, you know, living in Austin, I personally hate traffic. <laughs> you know, so uh, it really was a big deal. And so that went a long way with me. So I'd like to, with my business, I like to keep that one-on-one -on -one touch because I do feel like that's the best way that people get results. Uh, so that being said, that's kind of ideologically where I stand. Um, I'd say as far as the business goes, you know, we have several components or what I call a multiple profit center model. So first and foremost, you know, one-on-one -on -one is probably my favorite. You know, uh, I'd like getting to know people and, you know, seeing their results and so forth. But in addition, we have small group personal training. Uh, we do run classes. And when I say classes, you know, we have specialists in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I have three actual black belts from Brazil coaching. Um, kickboxing, you know, I'm an ex-kickboxing champion. And, you know, I started doing that in my teen years. And, uh, you know, boxing, you know, we have a gentleman with over 400 bouts under his belt, you know, kind of a legend in the sport. Um, so that, that's part of it. And then we also have a general gym, which is part of where one of the offshoots of my gym came from. So someone could sign up for membership like a Golds or something and come work out. Uh, that part is not quite as popular because we do like the contact and not just having people walking in and out that we don't get to know. Uh, yeah. Aside from that, there's a pro shop. Uh, we also do a virtual side. And, you know, probably one of the bigger things we're known for is our events. You know, we do a lot of events here and we do a lot of film work here as well. Yeah. And, and so many different components to this and plenty for us to dig into. I, I appreciate the fact that you describe it as a multi-profit model. There are all kinds of different revenue streams and, and fitness really lends itself well to that idea of serving people in different capacities. Before we dive into the business components of this, Take us back a little bit to, to the when this officially got off the ground. You mentioned a, a background in competitive sports, but what really ignited the idea that you were going to open up your own business like this, Randy? So around 1998, I was a professional boxer. Uh, I did my first professional fight on a Chavez undercard, USA Tuesday Night Fight. I won that about first, second round knockout. It was a neat, neat time in my life. Uh, so after that, I went off to training camp, and I mean, I really worked hard. I put everything I had into it. 
And my entire purpose at that time, you know, after, I mean, I went to school here at UT and after college, you know, I decided I didn't want to, uh, you know, become a lawyer, <laughs> which is what my dad did. And so I turned professional fighting. Um, anyway, so that went so far after my third fight, I had a detached retina. Um, that kind of caused me to have to stop and really think about what do I want to do with my life now? So here at UT uh, in Austin, I studied philosophy. You know, uh, understanding wise was a very important thing for me. Um, so after the injury, I had to take time and think about what can I personally contribute. Uh, so looking at what my personal talents were, uh, you know, I decided, okay, well, I'd like to open up a gym at this point. And so after the injury, I moved back to Austin with nothing. I had a little 180 square foot garage on the side of my rent house. And that's where I started doing business. Uh, saved money, saved money there until I was able to uh, open up a little 3,000 square foot spot on South First Street. Uh, it used to be a motorcycle shop. I'm an avid bike rider. <laughs> That's the, one of the only other things I did since I was a kid. But uh, it's open there. And as time passed, there came an opportunity after a couple of years, right down the road, a fairly large gym, about 10,000 square feet, was um, you know uh, one of the most iconic Austin gyms. It used to be called Big Steve's. Uh, the owners there were wanting to sell the place after I had to talk with them. Uh, so long story short, I bought that place. That was just over 20 years ago. Uh, and since then, you know, I've had one move since then when, as you know, Austin's become very, uh, a lot of people have moved here. Uh, so um, at that point, we, uh, you know, we, uh, the, the entire big parking or the entire business center that we were in got bulldozed. Uh, that was all story in itself. But uh, so at that point, I got to move and I moved to a larger facility down the street. And this is kind of the first place I've actually got to build out out of my head, uh, you know, because I, I got to make a arrangements in some of the places prior yeah it sounds like there's been a whole lot of evolution to this over the years this this sort of was formulated like you said from your own home eventually we moved into a commercial location and then it took off from there is that right this is this has been multiple decades under your belt at this point what's been let me ask the question this way. Let's explore both sides of this. What's been your favorite part about running a business like this so far? And what's been the toughest part about running a business like this so far? I'd say that, you know, the satisfaction uh, being in the community and knowing that I'm, you know, helping is a great thing. Like uh, I personally live my life in three parts. You know, I first helps myself to become better through education, training, and so forth. You know, second, I help the person next to me get better. And then finally, I help my community get better at large. Throughout the course of my tenure, you know, running gyms, I've actually been able to see that come to fruition multiple times. I've seen some of the lives changed, uh, you know, and personally, you know, I've kept myself in decent shape and, uh, you know, learned a lot along the way. Uh, so it's been interesting, the things that I've done with this business, uh, people I've met and so forth. So, I mean, there's just so many things. I mean, I'm very thankful for that part. Um, difficult side. I would say probably my biggest thing is keeping track uh, with numbers and so forth. Mm. Um, I do believe that it's the most important thing you can do in business. And while I do have accurate processes and so forth that do that, uh, I think that using those to drive business, that's probably been a more difficult side of things. Uh, you know, and I guess even past that is that we've seen so much evolution in the industry since late nineties to current time, uh, pretty, pretty, a uh, lot of changes. So staying on top of, what the trends are, staying educated and so forth. That's been a, you know, tough, but enjoyable. 
Yeah. I don't think you're alone in that boat. I, I have a, a lot of conversations <laughs> with gym owners. And I think if we're being honest with ourselves, the reality is that people open gyms because they love training. They love the fitness yeah. component of it, not because they love sitting in front of a computer or, or being on Facebook or whatever the current platform is. It's a, it's a necessary evil for running a business like this. We have to, we're a fitness business. We need fitness business customers. And so we have to find ourselves on these platforms in whatever way, but it's, it's just not a passion for most people in our industry. Is that right for you? Yeah, I guess the business side's become a passion for me. Uh, but prior, yeah, it was a bit more difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I can imagine. Now, at least recently, you, you guys have gone through multiple different political and economic events that would sway your business one way or the other. But recently, in terms of, of COVID, how, how much of an impact was that to what you guys do? Oddly, I'd say that COVID's one of the best things that's happened up to this point. Uh, you know, there's, in any business, especially with a number of moving parts, you're going to have superfluous sides of it, uh, things that maybe don't need to be and so forth. And, you know, then there's also priorities and focus. And what I discovered during COVID is that I had a chance to learn quite a bit. And, you know, it really, really kind of helped the business and being able to reprioritize and kind of focus down and hone in on the things that really need to be getting done around here. Um, so it's been actually, it was a help. It gave me a chance to stop and think, you know, my doors were first forced to close here in Austin, Texas for two months. Uh, during that time, I had a chance to study, reprioritize, uh, think about where I wanted to go in the future and so forth. So it was helpful in that sense. I mean, definitely losing money during that time wasn't helpful, but you know, the after effects of making better decisions and changing how the business works, I mean, I'd say that it was worth, worth its weight in gold that time off. Yeah, I I would agree. And it's it's funny that you mentioned that because I don't think it's ever, nobody would ever say that it's a positive that we had to shut down for, for multiple months at a time. But the silver lining here is that it was kind of a reset button, right? You got the chance to, to really take a look and put things in perspective, what we're doing, trim the fat, figure out where we may have overstepped our, our core values and get back on course and, and right the ship, if you will. Since that time, Randy, in, in terms of rebuilding and, and growing the business beyond that, what's been working for you from a marketing standpoint? How are we getting people in through the doors in the first place? Well, I would say first and foremost, paid ads, bar none, are the best, most measurable, most logical thing you can do as far as marketing. Uh, we're very entrenched in the community with a number of events and things that we do. Uh, various organizations, but I mean, if we want to think in terms of flow charts, going back to the very bottomest part of that, I would say that the first choice that I made intelligent was my location. You know, location, the way that I chose it came in four parts. You know, first and foremost, you know, uh, just things around me are what I look at. So first, you know, understanding that schools, you know, the, the government, you know, has very specific demographic research and planning. So I'm literally across the street from a high school in Caddy Corner to a, to a community college. So I looked for schools when I opened this facility. Uh, second, you know, fast food. <laughs> they never seem to close when they open, but they spend millions on their demographic research. So if you're near a corner that has fast food, that makes the most sense. Um, super center stores like grocery stores or large super centers, I actually have two in my parking lot. And then the final thing I look for is transient population. You know, uh, apartments tend to turn over once every six months. 
uh, homes, when people buy homes, every four to five years. And so it's easy to play the market out when there's a certain amount of, uh, you know, based on nursing statistics, an entire club, entire population will turn over once every 18 months or so. So that being said, you know, we want to make sure that we have enough transient population in the area that we can market to. So that being the case, that would be the bottomest thing. So I'm in a parking lot where I have, you know, eh, probably 6,000 visits to different businesses in my area and massive traffic on the street. That's where we start in signage. After that, you know, we have, have social media, we do events, uh, our website. I mean, all the different forms of marketing, you know, out there. Yeah, I think I want to highlight a couple of things that you said there. And it's first and foremost, we have to know who we're marketing to before we venture off into any kind of marketing plan. For you, that's that comes in being aware of the population around us, right? Just in terms of choosing a location, we wanted to be in highly trafficked areas. We wanted to piggyback on some of these other businesses who have already done the research. Beyond that, you mentioned a couple of things, the signage, physical location, so people are aware that we're here. Paid advertising was one thing that you mentioned. Where have those dollars gone? Is that digital platforms? Is this traditional mailers, traditional billboards? What's that look like for you? Uh, over the years, I mean, I've tried a lot of things. I've done like, you know, snail mail before. Uh, that doesn't really seem to work quite as well in this area anymore. So the majority of the dollars goes to digital marketing. Uh, Facebook ads are huge. Um, you know, uh, um, I'm looking at the Google, you know, here in the near future, uh, but digital is the way to go. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's just, everyone's looking at their phone first and foremost. It just doesn't really make sense. But other than that, I mean, our events being a part of organizations and so forth. So word of mouth, you know, actually touching someone, shaking their hand, talking about what you do in a social group. Uh, those are to me, some of the best forms of advertising you can possibly have. Absolutely. And a, a successful business has a healthy mixture of both, right? There's a controllability Absolutely. factor to advertising on digital platforms. We can measure every aspect of it. But fitness, it's always going to be an in-person service. And we need that interaction to really, really deliver home the message of what we do. Let's play this out right. hypothetically, Randy. We get a lead or, or a prospect from whatever source, whether it's online, whether it's in person, whatever it is. What is that process for them to eventually sign up to become a member with you? Who are they speaking with? What's that conversation about? What are they signing up for as in terms of a, a membership or a package? So we like to kind of baby step people in what we do. Uh, so the first thing is we kind of pre-qualify our prospects. There's a process I've been using called a kickstart for years. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a paid training session uh, but what it is is it gives a person a chance to actually come into the gym get a chance to meet meet coaches uh, it's paid for you know so that we're not doing it for free uh, and we actually do a session we go over the basics a very valuable session uh, you know we go over you know uh, if they're let's say interested in doing combat sports I have a crystallized thing that I've worked on for the past 25 years that goes over the basic understanding of how to stand how to move and how to throw your basic punches leverage concepts and so forth uh, so this way they get a chance to get their hands wrapped, see what it's like, see what the gym's like, and actually physically be in the gym. You know, I've discovered over the years that the heaviest piece of equipment in the club is the front door. So getting someone in the front door is the first thing. Uh, once that's complete, you know, I also personally work as what we call an assessor. And so 
we want the person that comes to the club to absolutely have the best experience when they come through. You know, over the years, you know, fitness, even over the last, I'd say, 30, 40 years, fitness has changed from a commodity experience where I'm going to go to this club because that's the cheapest prices to we want an experience. So the way the clubs look on the inside, uh, certain details, you know, are attractive. And so as an assessor, when I deal with the person that comes in the club, I like to find out where I think they'd actually fit to say, hey, listen, you know what? You need, an egg. You need to take about 20 one-on-one sessions before you start and even consider doing a class. Or, you know, uh, you know what, you've done this for this many years. This is your schedule. I think you'd fit neatly into this particular program. And naturally, we try to ascend them to the next level. But, uh, you know, that uh, we'd want to make sure that they get the best for what their needs are. Uh, so back to where your specific question was, uh, we'd first typically start with a kickstart. And then after that, we'd, we'd look to get them into a package. Usually the package would include all of the above, a one-on-one set of sessions. So they have a coach that they can touch base with. Uh, you know, they'd have access to small group training, so it's personalized, and then also the larger classes and uses of the gym. During that time, uh, you know, we actually put them in our app and create a program for them for physical fitness. So that way, you know, outside of what they do with their boxing, we're trying to pull them off the market for other gyms as far as them like, well, I need to do my goals over here and do my mixed martial arts over here. Yeah. We try to pull it all under one roof. Or keeping it in-house. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so there's a, there's a number of different components to the service here, but we're really meeting people where they are, right? When we have a first interaction with somebody, they may not be willing to commit a huge time or a huge dollar amount. So we're just trying to get them in the door and then we can ascend throughout is what I'm understanding from you. Is that correct? Basically, but you know, as far as them being serious about it and taking the kickstart, we found that that's a great baby step for people to take. Uh, you know, they come in, they pay the money for the hour. They take that training session, and that's typically when we sign someone up. I guess. After that, okay. you know, yeah, we, do, we determine what the best package is. But, you know, always on the front end, we want to have them do something that's going to do the best for them, but also make sure the club's being paid as well. Sure. And so we have a, a far greater data pool being in business as long as you have as far as retention, that's really where the battle is won and lost in a, in a model like this, Randy. From a high level, what influences the longevity of membership in your mind the most? What are you guys doing to make sure that these people are sticking? Definitely results are up there, but the community is the big part. When I go downstairs here in a little bit, you know, I can't tell you the people down. It's amazing, the group of people that are down there. Uh, but people come to see the other people that are there. So there's a huge sense of community. So a lot of the people know each other from other places. And if they only know each other from the gym, like for instance, I have a number of people in the film industry. Uh, there's a gentleman that does documentaries on the big screen. Another guy that's produced a junior from LA. Another guy that owns some of the movie houses around the country. Uh, so these guys see each other, say hello to each other. Uh, they make a connection here and there. Uh, then other people in the gym, you know, same difference. So I'd say that since the community is one of the biggest parts, uh, the events that we do, uh, getting to know other people from different walks of life. I'd say that the entire, I don't know, we'll call it a cultural experience, is probably one of the biggest things that causes people to stay and continue to pay. Now, as far as the programming goes, keeping it personalized and keeping them where they can see quantifiable results mm-hmm. as they train insofar as what that means to them, whether it's getting better in a specific bag, feeling better when they walk throughout the day, or perhaps it's becoming stronger on a particular lift or understanding how to do that lift better. So it's a constant process of education, training, and betterment as they come to the gym. 
I think that's, you know, ultimately those two things, that and the sense community are what caused the, the most retention. Now, there's definitely other factors, but I don't know if you want me to go into all that. There, there, I mean, it's a conversation that <laughs> yeah. you and I could have for hours yeah. and hours. We can go hours. hours, man. Yeah, definitely. But as we, as we zoom out on all of this, Randy, in, in the, the acquisition and retention funnel, hypothetically, where do you see the biggest opportunity for improvement for South Austin gym? Is it front end lean generation? Is it our sales process and our conversions? Is it retention overall? Where, where's kind of your focus as things move forward? I feel fairly solid on my processes. However, they can always, always use improvement. Okay. Uh, so I'll be so doing a little, that bit of, now. a little bit of all so three then. Maybe. All of them, yeah. but I will say that marketing has always been probably the biggest, biggest issue for me. Um, I just, I've been doing what I do for a while and we have a very steady stream of people coming through my front door, which, you know, uh, I know that we could do a lot better. I have done paid ads a number of times and we've done extremely well with that. Uh, but marketing's probably the biggest thing. Like I'm in that generation, I'm a generation Xer. And so I'm kind of like half in and half out on the whole digital thing. So Facebook, we do well with, but I know I could do better there. Instagram, it's like I have to force myself to look at such, but we do well there too in business sense. Uh, sure. So I'd say marketing, uh, that would probably be the biggest thing. And then, you know, as far as, uh, you know, the, the back end, you know, uh, 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 offers and so forth, I'm in the process of coming up with some, a better set of options. You know, when people come in a little bit more succinct, a little simpler, I can explain to my staff better. Sure. And, and I think, it makes a lot of sense, right? You've been doing this for quite some time to wholesale change everything that you do would never make sense. It's tinkers, it's tweaks, it's minor adjustments to slowly move the needle. And I think that I appreciate the sentiment in that we can always approve somehow. There's always something that we could do a little bit better. So paint us a picture of what all of this does for us, Randy, where is this business trending as you move forward? What's the big picture in your mind? So I would just say first and foremost that things that are not self-questioning never progress. So I'm always trying to find a way to get better and I'm always questioning what I can do just a bit better. Uh, so as far as progression goes, uh, you know, uh, I guess another little saying is that a, a rising tide lifts all boats. And so each one of my profit centers, my events, are becoming better and better. Uh, you know, we've done things like I've actually in-house hosted the Golden Gloves, professional wrestling, professional boxing. Uh, I've got my own show that's been running for over 15 years called Capital, Capital City Heroes. Um, you know, we've done a number of film things. So my events and film here, I'd like to cause that to become better. But then my other processes, my one-on-one -on -one training, my classes, uh, I'm creating a way that that's very, very, uh, how would I say, uh, uh, organized quantified and you know um in a way that's individual if that makes sense there's it's almost like a um, a conundrum in my own mind how to do that because if you do too many layers or too organized it gets too rigid like a martial arts academy which i have no interest in so it has to be personalized but also with ways for people to quantify so that being said as those processes become stronger and stronger i'd like to see another business up north in austin i'm in south austin right now my gym, while it's called South Austin Gym, I've already purchased the website austinsgym.com. So as I franchise, it can be Austin's Gym South, Austin's Gym Las Vegas, and so forth. So I'm looking future-wise at doing very large facilities with event center, you know, uh, zoned as event centers and also gyms. Um, in this way, you know, we have something that's synergistic with the community, 
but also as the multiple profit centers of a gym. Uh, so I look at doing one North, one North San Antonio and see where I go from there. I yeah. think uh, three is kind of the trick. Uh, three to five, I think is the trick. That's you really, really the breaking point. Yeah. Franchise. I got so many moving parts. I still have a lot of work to do. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's a goal for a lot of people in our industry, but not all the time do people recognize problems multiply, not necessarily add. Going from one exactly. to two, we're really compounding a lot of issues. Two to three, same thing. But if we can prove concept and succeed beyond three, then we can really blow this thing up. It sounds like that's where your head's at. It's exciting to hear. And, and Randy, I wish we had more time, but we're running a bit shy on time. We'll have to invite you back on in the future because there are a never-ending list of topics that we could cover when it comes from going to one gym to multiple. For today, at least, why don't you tell our listeners where they could learn more about this? Is the website useful? Is the social media the best place to go? Where should people go to find out about South, South Austin Gym? Uh, you can go to www.southaustingym.com. Uh, that's our main website. Uh, there, there are links for our Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, South Austin Gym on Facebook and Instagram. We're there too. All helpful for sure. Connect with Randy and the South Austin Gym crew on those platforms. Randy, this has been awesome. I really appreciate your willingness to share within this conversation and provide some insight into what you do as a business owner. I can't thank you enough and I wish you nothing but the best moving forwards. I appreciate it. I enjoyed having this talk with you. Thank you very much. And to everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to walk through your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.